And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT the Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT the Brick. All right, JT, back with you. Hour number two of the show as we continue. Brought to our good friends, Brought to you by our good friends at SalmonAsh, SalmonAshLaw.com, because you deserve what is right. Several new partners we are welcoming this week, which I'm excited about. Bell Solar tomorrow, and we'll have a couple of their executives on. Also, a new beverage company, Cerveza. Can't wait to tell you about that. And some of the opportunities we're going to have, I'll be hosting the first radio show live inside Virgin Hotels. Uh, Virgin is having their grand opening, used to be the former Hard Rock. I helped close the Hard Rock down with the last radio show ever done there. And Boz is bringing me back to host the first radio show uh, later this month for the grand opening of Virgin Hotels, which I'm really excited about. Uh, That footprint, that area had a big impact on my life and my wife and I. So we're excited to be invited back for the grand opening and how that's going to look here at the end of the month. That will be very exciting. If you missed the first hour, go back and listen to my open and the monologue. Bobby will put that out, and we'll figure that out after the show. We're having a Trent Brown exit party. Trent Brown has been traded to the New England Patriots. Uh, Basically, the Raiders have gotten out of that behemoth contract. Trent Brown made over $36 million in guarantees, and Trent Brown is no longer a Raider. And uh, Trent Brown moves on, and I don't like the way he's handling it on the way out. He wasn't happy. He's going to be happy in New England. He says money doesn't matter to him if he's not happy. I think he was an absolute cancer to the team. I thought he was a terrible teammate in general. He had no passion for the team. He cared more about money. He cashed a lot of checks, and he was unavailable to play. I thought that there were times he could have been able to play from what I heard on and off the record. He made himself unavailable to play in games where his teammates needed him. And look, Derek Carr is not going to say this. Derek's always going to take the high road. And Derek, you know, enjoyed having Trent protecting him on the right side there. But what it comes down to is that Trent Brown wasn't there for Derek Carr. That Derek Carr went into multiple games with an insufficient offensive line because Trent Brown refused not to play or he would not play when he could have played. And that's what it comes down to and where you stand as a Raider fan on this topic. I think the Raider fans are pretty emotional on this today. We've been waiting to get to this day. If Trent Brown would have been brought back on a renegotiated deal and he would have played better and lost a bunch of weight and committed himself to the Raiders, I think we could have all managed this. But on the way out, we know why he's gone. He's gone because he didn't live up to the contract. and He took a lot of money, and he didn't seem to care much. I don't know anybody who told me that Trent Brown loved the Raiders and cared about playing football. Do you? Do you know anybody who will say that? I've talked to players. I talked to players today, and I've talked to other people within the organization today off the record on Trent Brown. The majority of them are happy to see him leave and have nothing good to say about him. And that's unfortunate. He could have been a great player. He sure had some people believing in him when he came here, and now we'll go to New England and we'll see what happens there. Where do you think the Raiders need to go now? Because without incognito Gabe Jackson and Trent Brown, the Raiders with Rodney Hudson and Colt Miller 
and what they're trying to do with the rest of the offensive line, what I think they now have to do in free agency, and what decisions they have to make going forward. They have more decisions to make going forward than they did a week, two weeks, a month ago. And I don't know. Not everybody has confidence that Mayock and Gruden are going to get it done. I do. If you have a suggestion on what you think needs to be the priority now, what do you think the priority is? Is it a free safety? Is it an edge rusher? Is it a right tackle? Is it a right guard? Uh, Raider fans, we have open lines. We shouldn't have any. On a day like today, we should be packed. People just calling in on Trent Brown for another 50 minutes. 702-365-9200. Ian Rappaport had the news along with several NFL insiders earlier today on the Trent Brown trade. A big trade for the Patriots. Big, like actually huge. The Patriots, I'm told, are trading for former Raiders offensive tackle Trent Brown. Of course, remember, he became a star in New England after they made a trade for him, installed him as a tackle. He became a big-time player then and ended up going to the Oakland Raiders, got a massive contract, four years, $66 million, was a pro bowler for the Raiders. This year did not go as well in something that Mike Mayock was very public about. They wanted more consistency at right tackle. He said he believed that Trent Brown would be the best right tackle in the NFL if he was available. That is exactly what I'm told the Patriots believe they are getting. To get this deal done, uh, Brown had to rework his contract. This deal has actually been done for a couple days. The contract was the thing that took a while. He had about two years, uh, he had two years about roughly $30 million left now agrees to a one-year, $11 million deal, and he can be a free agent after the 2021 season. And this is a guy who should be able to, after the 36-plus million in guarantees he got from the Raiders, and the $11 million here, which he'll cash, he should have enough money to be set for life, which is a credit to him. You know, he played in the league. He played, won a Super Bowl. But the topic for today is why he didn't have the heart and why he didn't have the consistency for the Raiders. And I think this is an important topic going forward because there are many Raider fans who are complaining now constantly. Okay? There are many Raider fans who all they're doing now is complaining. And I know the Raider fans, and they have the right to do that. I don't get in the way of that. If there's some Raider fan in East Oakland or there's some Raider fan in Sacramento or Raider fan in Henderson who are really, who's really pissed off today, I don't get in the way of that. I give you an open phone line to, to, to talk about it. But when... You know, Mike Mayock goes on television or goes on a stream and he tells you what they're trying to do in free agency and then you go on Facebook and underneath Mike Mayock say disparaging things about him. you got to look in the mirror and wonder who you are. What are you doing as a fan to help the team, to be encouraging? And I get it when other fans say, hey, JT, get out of the way. Don't go there on this. We've been a Raider fan a long time, longer than you. We've been around the team longer than you. We grew up Raider fans. I'm very aware of that, and I typically stay out of the way, and I let Raider fans revolt, do what they need to do. And if you want to go ahead and do that today, if you have an issue on Trent Brown that you want to shine a light on Mayock or Gruden, this is your flagship station. As long as you show respect, that's it. That's all I ask for. Just respect the people that you're calling in on. Don't make it personal. Be critical, but don't make it personal. And I think as all adults, we should be able to do that really easily. 702-365-9200 on Trent Brown. Because a lot of Raider fans have had a lot to say on social media about Trent Brown. I'd like to hear from some of the Raider Nation today on what you think went wrong with Trent Brown 
and why you think the Raiders were in a position to trade him. What is your opinion on what happened here and why Trent Brown couldn't have been counted on, why they couldn't rebuild him, get him to believe on a restructured deal that he could be a Raider here for life? Uh, This is a really important topic, and I don't like silence on a topic this big. Because you can call on Nicholas Morrow all you want and Eric Harris all you want, this guy and that guy, which is fine. But these are the days where your voice needs to be heard because it's a very important topic on where the Raiders are trying to go, how they're trying to build the team to go in a certain direction and the confidence that you have now. I think the sense of urgency that I've had for the Raiders in the offseason is highly magnified today highly magnified on where they're going to go and what we don't know. I thought Mike Mayock in his recent press conference was, you know, he held it very close to the vest. The media did a great job, a fantastic job asking really tough questions. And he wasn't able to talk about Trent Brown, but he threw a warning shot across the bow. And he started talking about the directions. He can't tamper. He can't talk about other players under contract. But Mike Mayock was pressed by the media. And now this is a topic Hopefully that Mike Mayock is comfortable talking about on the record a little bit more. I'd love Mike Mayock to be on this show, or I'd like him to go out and talk about what happened with Trent Brown. What really happened behind closed doors in the building? In years past, when we were at practice or inside the building, and there wasn't COVID, we'd be able to tell. But how many times does Raider insiders who cover the team go to practice and Trent Brown isn't even on the sideline? He's not even there. He's getting treatment. And he wasn't able to go. Got really old. And I can tell you this from working with Eric Allen on the pregame. There were so many days, home games, and even when the Raiders were on the road, where we didn't know if Trent Brown was going to be able to go. And then we got the inactives. And we read it on the radio. And we just rolled our eyes. I did. That you can't count on Trent Brown. And he didn't help the Raiders. And I think if Trent Brown played at a higher level, the Raiders would have been a playoff team. That's how much I thought of his ability when he gave 100%. I mentioned that Gus Bradley did a special interview with Eric Allen on the Raiders report. You could see that entire interview at Raiders.com. It's really good. I watched it on TV, uh, online. I thought it was fantastic. And we have some of the sound bites for you of Gus Bradley sitting down with the former six-time Pro Bowler, Eric Allen, on now the transition going from the Chargers and now coming in as the defensive coordinator as he lands in Vegas. It's an exciting time. I mean, to be with a lot of the people that you know, Coach Gruden and then a lot of members of the staff, and then be able to bring some of our staff members that were uh, affiliated with us with the Chargers. So it's been a, an easier transition. I guess it's never easy, but uh, you know, it's going to come quick now once we get to April. Yeah, I like that there because he's bringing in coaches from the Chargers who have had success with individual players similar to the Raiders as the Raiders got to get those players going. Uh, Gus Bradley talked about Monty Kiffin, one of his earliest influencers. You know, you have some ideas, some philosophy in college, but I think Coach Kiffin really helped bring it together. And he's been such a big, important part of my life and our family's life, a big impact on it. So uh, he helped tremendously, uh, you know, with my philosophy and our philosophy, I should say. Yeah, I I agree. You know, when you have an impact like Monty Kiffin and Coach Bradley really cares about John Gruden and was excited to come here, you got a guy in Gus Bradley happy to be here, newly motivated, and has a lot to prove 
uh, Bradley talked more about impactful coaches and the impact it had on him and other teams. And then going on to Seattle with Jim Mora, you know, who another uh, great man for me and, you know, great learning experience. Then Pete Carroll, yeah. you know, so been very fortunate to be around some very impactful coaches. Yeah, impactful coaches, and he's got to be one here. Uh, he's talking about the principles that he learned up north in Seattle under Pete Carroll and how that could help the silver and black. Pete Carroll was not a big cover two man. Right, he wanted right. to play more aggressively on the perimeter with corners. But the same principles as far as fundamentals, technique, execution, there's, you know, those are non-negotiables in our system. Yeah, non-negotiable. That's nice to hear from Gus Bradley. Non-negotiables where I think he brings in a new sense of urgency and a different coaching style. And his number one priority, I believe, is the young players, the high draft picks that the Raiders recently drafted. He's got to get more out of them. I think um, the NFL is really a race to maturity. You know, the owners, the, the coaches, the head coach, the fans, they want these first and second year players to act like six, seven, eight year veterans. Yeah. So it's that race to maturity. How can we get these guys to mature and play like they're capable of playing and yet have that experience, that wisdom that goes along with it? More Gus Bradley sitting down with the great Eric Allen on the fundamentals of technique and how he's going to coach these players up. You know, I think it's really a system that they can come in and learn quickly so they can really put their emphasis on the fundamentals and techniques. So that part of it, I think it consistently when they come in the building, they know what they're getting as a coaching staff, you know, not only on the field, but off the field yeah. as well. All right, so we have more on Gus Bradley. We'll play some more of that as we come uh, back here in a little bit. And just your opinion on Trent Brown, Gus Bradley, and where do you think, I think today's an important day because of the loss of Gabe Jackson and Trent Brown to what you think the priority needs to be now, offensive line or the entire defense. I'll go defense. I'll go defense because I think the defense is a bigger problem, and they got to get more out of that defense. 702-365-9200. Kenny in Missouri is listening on the Raiders app. Hello, Kenny. Hey, how are you doing, JT? Good, Kenny. Thank you. Hey, I just want to say one thing. I'm glad to see you. Uh... TB's out of there. He should have been gone a long time ago because he's lazy, doesn't want to work, doesn't want to show up, doesn't want to play when, he, when he's healthy, you know, and et cetera, et cetera. But we need to uh, concentrate on our defense. And I just want to say I'm a big fan of Derek Carr. I love Derek Carr to death. I don't want him to go nowhere. I want him to get an extension. I want him to be five, five more years at least. I top away, we got him already. Mm -hmm. And then uh, he can be the bridge for the next quarterback that comes in. You know what I'm saying? Well, I don't know if I agree on that. I mean, I, I love, you know, Derek. I, I think the world to Derek, and I think that Derek on a new contract extension that is friendly to yeah. the Raiders, Derek's made a lot of money, is, uh, you know, I'm not talking five years with Derek Carr. Yeah. I think this upcoming year with Derek, he's got to be better than last year and the year before. And fortunately right. for Derek, he's trending that way as a quarterback. And I hope we see more out of them. But I, I'm not interested in a five-year deal right now okay. unless the Raiders – just believe they have to do it it'll be interesting to well, see what this car uh this, this car negotiation looks like uh going forward yeah. is a big year for him yeah two more years at what he's making now and then uh maybe a little bit more maybe another year after that but depending on how he does if he performs and, he, and if we get that defense straightened out we can go places i think but that's the main oh. thing but we have to get a young quarterback to take over you know after him you know what i'm saying 
Yeah, you know, I'm not looking. I appreciate the call. You know, when it comes down to Derek's replacement, that's a topic that I'm not really interested in. I don't I don't care who Derek's replacement is. The only topics that matter with Derek is how much better Derek Carr can get to shorten the gap between him and Patrick Mahomes in the division. How many more games Derek can win? Because we know his leadership ability and what he can do. Everybody knows what Derek can do now. Can Derek get a little bit better in the running game? And I hope he can because after suffering the broken leg, the high ankle break of, of the leg, Derek now is completely healed and can run more. And I don't think he's a liability when he runs the football. I think he has to do it more. Derek has to generate more first downs by running the football. And if he can do that this year, it'll be noticeable. It really will. Because I, I think that Derek Carr is the type of guy who could throw 35 to 38 touchdown passes in a high-potent offense and keep his un- interceptions from 10 or under. But if the interceptions get up to 13 or 14, I won't lose my mind over that. If he's throwing close to 40 touchdown passes and he's moving the chains and making good decisions, it's not the problem. Derek Carr has not been the problem. How many times do we have to say that on the show? Like the last caller who's a big fan of Derek. The problem now for the team is who can tackle, who can lead, and who can replace the offensive linemen. Those are a lot of big problems coming up here, and they got to hit big in the next 30 days. Next 30 days are enormous. Because we're usually optimistic coming off the offseason. Usually when the Raiders retool their roster, we come in and say, yeah, this looks like a pretty good team. How many games can they win? Eight, nine, ten. Now you look at the roster and you go, if they don't get better, can they win more than eight or nine? Because last year should have been ten. Then this year would be 11 or 12. Now with the losses on the roster, you wonder how much better they can be than eight and eight. They have to hit a home run in the offseason. Lester is in the Bay Area. Hello, Lester. Go ahead. JT, thanks for taking the call. Hey, yeah, regarding, um, you know, these releases to, to create money, you know, it would have mm-hmm. been nice to try and get a little bit more value in that trade for Trent Brown. Um, but, you know, how it is, right? Nobody's going to give up too much for him because they know the situation financially. But right now, it's, you know, it's absolutely important to, to re-sign Denzel Good. You know, he's versatile. He could play right tackle, right guard, left guard. And uh, that's the type of money you want to spend on somebody who's been here the last three years, two, three years, working his butt off as well, who is versatile, and he's good for the O-line when it comes to depth. So it's going to be vital to keep him around, and hopefully Richie Incognito comes back on a, a, a good deal. Otherwise, we've got to spend some money on a, on a veteran safety and another veteran secondary player and hopefully another linebacker. I mean, a couple of guys in the draft that I'm targeting, it's going to be very important. I think Mike Mayock talked about this, is that they hit on their picks and they don't do reaches because you can't be reaching. At 17, if they make a move, they got to trade down, if anything. Don't be trading up. Get some more picks. Uh, there's some players like Aziz from Georgia, the player Zavin Collins from linebacker, Zavin Collins, and also a couple other players that are going to be very good for this defense. But you got to pick high-character guys that are explosive, and athletic and have a good head on their shoulders. No more reaching. Yeah, well, you know, in regards, thanks for the call, in regards to the high-character guys, they just recently had a Clemson draft. Cleland Farrell's a high-character guy. Hunter Renthro, high-character guy. You know, so they went down that Josh Jacobs at Alabama, high-character player, was homeless. We saw his backstory comes into the league. High-character guys. Damon Arnett played at Ohio State. He played at the highest level. 
his senior year, he didn't give up a touchdown. But I thought they reached on him. And I think the big news today in the NFL is that three-time Pro Bowl offensive lineman Kyle Long is returning to the NFL. The report, three-time Pro Bowler Kyle Long is returning. He's 315 pounds, healthy, happy, nasty, and shredded. And is signed with Jeff Naley of Select Sports Group. Kyle Long, I'd like to see him sign with the Raiders as a legacy play. I would like to see him sign as a legacy play and come in and join the Raiders. His experience level is high. Jerry McDonald, who covers the Raiders, tweeted two hours ago, Kyle Long on the market. Could be worth a flyer depending on the price. Howie's son. I would agree. I think that that's a really important tire to kick to see if he's available to come on in as a legacy play if he wants to be here. I don't know why he wouldn't want to be here. His dad's former team, his connection to the Raiders, his brother works for the team. I mean, there's a lot going on. That's the type of player I'd love to see come in, and you know you're going to get not a good player, a great player. It just depends on the price, and the Raiders have a lot of money. All of a sudden, they're getting under the cap more and more and more. Let's keep it going, and let's get going. Uh, we're going to have a hit on the Jets. The Jets have the more, the most political equity of any team in the entire draft. And where do the Jets stay with Sam Darnold and what they're doing? Christian Dyer is going to join us in a little bit. But coming up next, a great friend of Las Vegas, Lon Kruger, former head coach of UNLV, now the head coach of Oklahoma. He's taken five teams to the tournament. And he's taken Oklahoma back to the tournament. And they were the hottest team, one of the hottest teams, about a month ago. Uh, Everything he does with coaches versus cancer in the Las Vegas Classic. We get a chance to speak with Lon two or three times a year. Today's his day. Looking forward to that and your phone calls. It's the Trent Brown exit party. 702-365-9200. Come on in. starting the celebration the feed down low to walker and that is going to do it and oklahoma you're more than okay you're on your way to the final four the sooners for the fifth time in school history are final four bound 80 to 68 winners over the oregon ducks in anaheim Sooners Radio on the call. JT back with you. I hope you're having a good day today as we continue on. Brought to you by Grimaldi's. Best pizza I've ever had. Five locations in the Valley. If you listen to this show, you know Grimaldi's. All the people we've sent there over the years. Thanks to Grimaldi's and the $50 gift card. Head on out to the Grimaldi's near you. Thrilled to catch up with longtime friend, head coach of Oklahoma basketball, Lon Kruger. Kind enough to join us. And, Coach, thank you so much. I know you have limited time. You dropped a few games coming down the stretch here. How are your student-athletes reacting? As you'd expect, uh, certainly, um, you know, uh, we've got about a month there without losing, and then all of a sudden we lose uh, four one-possession games in a row. So uh, they're uh, disappointed by the results, but they've handled handled things well all year. They've bounced back. It's been a good practice team, uh, excited about postseason. So, uh that time is here. It's a great time of the year. Yeah, Coach, it's interesting you say that because, again, these are one-possession games that could have went 
any way, and there were rivalry games on top of that. So emotional losses, but you got to feel well about the way your team always bounces back and reacts. And, you know, with the conference tournament coming up here, I know you expect the most out of them to bounce back and be ready to go. You bet. Um, you know, this group's, this group's played hard. They competed hard. We haven't always scored the ball consistently, and that's one of the things that we've uh, tried to improve on. Uh, defensively, the effort's been good. Uh, and again, uh, postseason play, so uh, don't expect anything different at this time of year. Coach, tell us about league play this year and from the top of the league on and how competitive it was. You talked about that streak you were on. You had a bullseye on your back and were winning big games and all these teams were gunning for you. I, I, the, the league looks fabulous to me this year heading into the NCAA tournament after the conference tournament. It really is. Uh, seven teams, you know, ranked in the top 25. So every night you line up, you're going to play against a ranked team and you're going to play against a really good team. I think defense is in our league. Have really, uh, they've always been good. But this year, I think they've been a little better than uh, than the norm for Big 12 play, and uh, just makes it a grind every night out. I think 15 of our last 18 games have gone into the last uh, 30 seconds uh, to be determined. So that's the way it is every night out, and that's an unbelievable stretch when you when you think of 15 uh, the 18 conference games, you know, uh, going inside the uh, last couple minutes. Lon Kruger is our guest. Coach, you got four players in double figures led by Austin Reeves. Uh, what have they been doing recently trying to get the ball out of his hands, running him at the three-point line, and trying to get him to get rid of the basketball? What have you seen over the last two weeks with other coaches defensively against him? Exactly that. Uh, they'll uh, try to get, uh, you know, double him coming off a of ball screen. The, you know, uh, second guy is always in the gap, but that's what that's what defenses do, and uh, Austin's a competitor and uh, he's going to keep uh, battling and uh, we need to get him in position where he's got a little bit more freedom to to you know maybe play from the wing as opposed to playing against five guys from the top every time down so uh, but he's uh, he's had a terrific year for us and uh, we expect him to get on a good run here again in the postseason Lon Kruger is our guest head coach at Oklahoma. Coach I wanted to talk a few minutes with you about leadership and what else have you learned recently with coronavirus and fans showing up, uh, my son went to a recent game, and you know you got a vibrant student body there. What's changed over the last month? Because you know people want to ask you your opinion politically. What's happening? We keep that off the show, but when you see these CDC <laughs> guidelines and what's happening in your state, what encourages you? I believe we're moving in a good direction. Uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know we can keep following the uh, experts uh, in the medical field and uh, be as safe as possible. Uh, I think we're, uh, you know, obviously, statistically, uh, everything's going in a good direction. We just can't mm -hmm. afford to, to slide back any. Uh, people want to get out so badly, and they want to get back to what uh, we will never get back to the, you know, what we thought of as normal a year ago. But hopefully, uh, we can get back to where we can uh, do things in, 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 you know, with friends, do things in a crowd, do things. Uh, you know, people need that, and uh, hopefully, we're moving in that direction. But hopefully, uh, we're patient enough to make sure it's uh, solid when we get there. Coach, I know you're just going to look at your conference tournament before the NCAA tournament, but it was a big debate in college basketball with some coaches and or players, either an opportunity to opt out and you know concentrate more on the NCAA tournament than a conference tournament. I don't suspect that that's you as a former player who played in the league and is passionate about every single practice, let alone game. You coach, you want to knock down all these games available in front of you on the schedule, right? Absolutely. Guys love to play. I mean, every time, that's a tough thing on the year. I think players have handled it 
an absolutely great way uh, the the COVID stuff because uh, you know every every day before every game we're testing and we've had uh, three different occasions we've uh, tested expecting to play and once it was because one of our guys tested positive twice it was because the opponent tested positive and the games were canceled so you go into games uh, you know really feeling good about the opportunity to play and uh, you know nothing's guaranteed uh, especially in this uh, COVID season. And as you know, college, I don't think colleges and the NCAA can afford a hard bubble throughout the course of a regular season, let alone conference tournaments and heading into the NCAA tournament. But do you support the concept of the NCAA tournament being in one city like Indianapolis to keep everyone safer and have tighter protocols? Well, we'll rely on the judgment of those people that have studied it and yeah. those people that uh, you know spend a lot more time thinking about it than, than I have. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll line up and feel forced to play, but it will be a challenge. It will be different. Uh, you know, a team that advances to the Final Four could literally be three weeks consecutively, um, you know, in a bubble, uh, you know, not going out, not seeing family, not seeing friends, not being around anyone else except teammates. We've got 34. Yeah, each team's got 34 in their party, that, mm-hmm. uh, and that's who you're going to be around. And uh, that's uh, it's COVID. We get that. And we'll do what we need to do, but it's unfortunate for the players because that should be a time postseason play where you're celebrating with family and you're sharing that with friends, and and they won't have that quite that same level of opportunity uh, this season. Hey, coach, finally, you got a lot of experience taking different teams to the tournament, let alone Oklahoma now, and you got a lot of great coaches in your league. Is there something that you like about this time of year when it comes to pushing your student athletes all year to get to a level? close to a level of excellence, and then having a plan that you used in the past, even with former teams, really to get them to peak at the right time in the month of March? It's a great time of year, for sure. And I think the, the point to, you know, 68 teams get to the tournament, and, and that should be celebrated. And it's not like you get to the tournament and you change everything. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, those teams are good. So you can do the things that you did to get there, and then you hope to do it a little bit better, you know, across the board, whether it be uh, – setting better screens, using ball screens better, blocking out more aggressively, whatever the case might be. You just want to ratchet, you know, uh, in every area up a little bit more in terms of play. And and the focus is better. Uh, The end of the season is near. So uh, it's not uh, an endurance deal anymore. It's it's a a sprint. You got to play every game like it potentially is your last one. Coach, one more uh, non-basketball, but it is with coaches versus cancer. You got a lot of people that count on you out here in Vegas and in Norman and around the com- uh, country for the work you do, raising awareness for cancer research, especially on a national level with other coaches. Uh, what are you thinking about that before you come out to Vegas? And in general, some positive victory stories because you talk to a lot of people affected by cancer who battle it every day. Absolutely, uh, you know, certainly appreciate all you do in your leadership in the fight against cancer. And coaches around the country do a fantastic job of, of using their platform to raise awareness and, and to raise, you know, millions of dollars. Uh, coaches vs. Cancer is a great organization. And, and again, coaches are joined in, uh, in the fight against cancer. And uh, so many good stories. People are living uh, longer. There's, there's you know, much greater survival rate. Uh, you know, they're living more, living more quality lives. I mean, as a result, of all the people in, in every walk that fight cancer. And certainly it's not going to stop, and we've got to keep working at it. And I know uh, coaches certainly uh, will around the country. Thank you, Coach. We'll be watching. Good luck in both tournaments. Thank you so much. JT, thank you.
Thank you, Coach. Lon Kruger. Fantastic. Everybody who's met Lon over the years is better off for knowing Lon Kruger, one of the great leaders, one of the great people I've ever met. Every time I talk to him, he's inspiring. He has something positive to say, and this Oklahoma team is really good. Very good team coming up here. My wife's an Illini fan. My son goes to Oklahoma. We root for two teams now in the house, Oklahoma and the Fighting Illini. And I would like to root for UNLV, but it's very difficult to do that because the team is not competitive. They were very competitive when the great Lon Kruger was the head coach. 702-365-9200. A Christian Dyer who covers the Jets for Sports Illustrated. Is supposed to join us coming up here in a few minutes on Sam Darnold. And no team, no team has more draft equity than the Jets. So the Jets could control a lot of what happens here heading into the draft, free agency, what they could do by trading draft picks and and possibly get in the way of the Raiders and some of the other players that the Raiders might want. Allen Robinson has been franchise tagged by the Bears. Uh, No surprise there, one of the best wide receivers in all of football. Breaking news from Ian Rappaport eight minutes ago. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the world champs, are keeping one of their own. Tampa Bay has agreed to terms with star linebacker Levante David on a two-year contract extension worth $25 million. On the brink of free free agency, David stays home. Also, the Cowboys officially tagged quarterback Dak Prescott That's a procedural move to make sure he doesn't get tagged again. As per his new contract, Ian Rappaport on the breaking news story on Dak on that new massive contract extension with the Cowboys. I would say from everyone I've spoken with, and it's been general managers and coaches and other agents, rival agents to to Todd France, uh, I have not heard one person that's criticized this deal. I had one really respected person in the business say it's one of the best deals they've seen for a player. So for Dak Prescott, this is a massive deal. Four years, $160 million, and the guarantee is huge, too. Uh, it's over $90 million fully, 126 when you include injury guarantees. It's front-loaded. He gets 75 in year one. This is a big-time win, as it should be for Dak Prescott, because as Jay knows, all he did was take the starting job, become the franchise quarterback, play on his regular rookie deal without saying anything, incur a major risk and get a major injury and come back from it to a point where the team is so confident that they give him this monster deal. He deserves it. And if you wonder what the win for the Cowboys is, it's one, we don't have to ask him about it. And two, they have their franchise quarterback. That is the win for the Cowboys. They get Dak. Well, that deal is one of the biggest deals of all time. I don't agree with it. I'm happy for Dak. He deserves it. Whenever someone gets a contract like that, you wish him well. It's important that they get a contract like that, and he did everything right. He let his agent do the talking. He let his agent do the talking, and that's why he got it. So I tweeted out last night, Dak won the negotiation over Jerry Jones easily. He should be proud of that. He didn't blink. He took the high road and let his agent do the talking. A classic win for the player over the owner. That doesn't happen often when it comes to numbers like this. Jerry overpaid for Dak. And he did. You know, the $66 million signing bonus, $9 million year one. So he's going to make $75 million. And with the money coming in, the $15 million the following year, he's going to make $90 million over the first two years guaranteed. He's going to get all that money. And I don't think that Dak is worthy of that contract. I'm happy he got it. 
but I don't think he deserves to be at that level. Aaron Rodgers is better. Tom Brady's better. Russell Wilson's better. I think this now looks like the Lamar Jackson negotiation with Baltimore is going to get interesting because I actually think Lamar Jackson is better than Dak Prescott. He is a much better runner. He's an MVP already in the league, and that's a hell of a player. So for Dak, I think the Cowboys, Jerry Jones played a game of poker and lost. He was hoping that he would get a discount to have Dak stay in Dallas. He didn't get it. He tremendously overpaid for him, but maybe Jerry knows what's coming with the new TV deal, and he can afford it. As we continue on, JT brought to you by Bell Solar. That's our new partner here. We're excited to tell you about that tomorrow. We're going to spend some time telling you about Bell Solar and what they're going to be able to do for you. They're hiring here in town, and that's a big deal. People are looking for jobs. Go to the best solar company, Bell Solar. You're listening to the JT The Brick Show. As a player, you guys played your asses off, and, and you're, you're in a position to win there. And, and that defensive call makes no sense to, to blitz there, with, especially with rookie cornerbacks. How can you guys not be pissed off at Greg Williams right now? For, for making that call. It is what it is. Uh, you know, as, again, as players, we're going to go in tomorrow and uh, look at the film and see how we can play better. Well, that was Sam Darnold after Henry Ruggs III made that touchdown catch and the Raiders beat the Jets at MetLife. JT, back with you. I told you I wanted to go around the league heading into free agency in the draft and no team has more draft equity in front of them than the New York Jets. And Joe Douglas, the DGM, they have to make a quarterback decision with Sam Darnold. Big decisions coming up for the Jets that will affect every team in the NFL. Christian Dyer covers the Jets for Sports Illustrated at SI Now. Christian, good to talk to you again. And what's happening with the Jets? I, I got to expect the Jets are ready to pounce here coming up in the next couple of weeks. Such a change is coming, JT. I think there's going to be a lot of them. And the first one was sort of ushering in that new culture with Robert Sala, the uh, former 49ers defensive coordinator. And he's going to be bringing, I think, a very different energy to the organization than what we saw under Adam Gase, who, who was almost colorless and lifeless uh, for the sake of being colorless and lifeless. And uh, there, there seems to be a little bit of momentum when you talk about the Jets right now heading into this offseason. They're going to be second in count salary cap space, somewhere around $80 million in cap space heading into free agency, which uh, in a year when the cap has not gone up as much as uh, people had anticipated a couple years out due to everything going on with the pandemic, that's a big deal. And two first-round picks and the number of picks they have throughout the draft, uh, they really are the key holders to the draft in many, many ways sitting at number two. Yeah, I agree with that, and that's why I'm interested because Sam Darnold, there, are, there should be interest in Sam Darnold around the league. And I think as a starter, what a lot of those quarterback jobs, as you know, are, are drying up. Teams are making decisions on quarterbacks and locking them up. Most recently, Dak Prescott with that extension with the Dallas Cowboys. So are you leaning towards Darnold coming back for another year with the Jets, or could he land with the 49ers or the Patriots or another team that we might not be aware of? 
Yeah, the, the Patriots are an interesting one, but I think the most Jets of scenarios would be somehow Bill Belichick is able to get Deshaun Watson uh, from Houston. And the Jets finally have Tom Brady out of the division, right, who's haunted them for, for you know two decades, essentially. And then all of a sudden, now you replace him with an athletic, mobile, uh, top five, top six quarterback in the league in Deshaun Watson. I think that's the worst-case scenario uh, for, for Jets and for Gang Green. But there, there will be no shortage of organizations in Trusted in Sam Darnold. Reports have said a half dozen teams have reached out to kind of kick the tires on Darnold. He he has the requisite arm strength. He has the pedigree at USC. And there's the sense that maybe with a different organization, his development could have been substantially different. I mean, the Jets the past three seasons under, you know, when Darnold's been the starting quarterback, have had arguably the worst offensive line in the league. And the number of hits that he's taken is a, is a big reason why he has yet to play a full 16-game regular season. So while there are concerns about Darnold with his health and his durability. Uh, he is still 21 years old. He still has an uptick. And you can't think that uh, help but think that a Kyle Shanahan type offense uh, in San Francisco could be of interest. I also think that maybe Las Vegas, JT, uh, an organization you know well, depending on what they do in their quarterback situation, could have some interest in Darnold. I, I don't think they would trade him in division to Bill Belichick, but I think San Francisco could be one of those suitors that could be interested I think the Eagles as well, um, while probably would not give up number six to get Sam Darnold, may be able to package a day two and a day three pick uh, that for an organization that's drafted incredibly poorly over the past five or six years uh, could be very interesting to accrue some more of that draft collateral. Christian Dyer joins us. He covers the Jets for Sports Illustrated. So the key issue, hasn't it been, do they package all of these picks package all these picks for Deshaun Watson, and Russell Wilson didn't select the Jets as one of his destinations, but that could change. When you look at the Jets being in the number one media market, explain to our audience again how much draft equity they have in this upcoming draft and how big of a blockbuster deal they could do if they give up those draft picks. Well, holding number two certainly is going to be very interesting because if a Deshaun Watson deal is not made by the time of the draft, the Jets could trade back and potentially get more picks uh, to entice Houston for a possible trade. But I think when you're an organization and you look at the Jets, and the lack of success they've had with drafting first-rounders in particular over the past decade. Uh, only Quinn and Williams, Sam Darnold, uh, are currently on the roster from their first-round picks, not including Mackay Becton from last year. So that's three out of the last ten drafts. They, they, that's all that is left on their roster. And that's simply no way to build an organization. And Joe Douglas now in his second full offseason with the Jets organization as their general manager. He's a disciple of Ozzie Newsome, the the great uh, Baltimore Ravens general manager. Those Ravens organizations were built through the draft and then supplemented through free agency with a couple high-end players who could come in and, and fill really deficiencies on the roster. We've seen Joe Douglas try to pursue you know, a very similar sort of mentality when it comes to building the Jets. He traded back a couple times in the, in the last draft to make sure he got more draft collateral. And I think when you're talking about what it would take to get to Sean Watson, which would be at least two firsts, a couple players, and, and then probably a first somewhere down the road in 2022 or 2023, 
that may be an enticing deal for an organization, let's say like the Miami Dolphins, who if they don't feel that Tua Tagovailoa is going to be their answer under center, uh, but they're close to being a playoff team, uh, that may be enticing for them. But for a Jets team where they're too deep, has question marks literally at every single position, I don't think that someone who builds through the draft like Joe Douglas uh, has been nurtured and matured to do so uh, is going to be willing to part with that. It's a bridge too far. Christian Dyer, SI, as we wrap it up. So I wanted to ask you finally about Woody Johnson and his brother Christopher. They're getting a lot of great political equity and PR for the Johnson & Johnson empire and the COVID vaccine shot. And a lot of times the fans just don't like them because they don't run the organization well. Do they feel good now about what they have going forward in regards to recruiting players? The only way I think the Jets or the Giants are going to come back in the number one media market is they got to recruit players to come back who don't mind paying those taxes, want to live there. I live there. I'm from there, as you know. Want to deal with the weather, play in that stadium outdoors where wind and weather are an issue. How do you feel about the Johnsons recruiting and really changing with Salah the image of the Jets going forward? Yeah, I I think that the Johnson image certainly has taken an uptick, but keep in mind in the NFL the fact that Woody Johnson, uh, recently coming off being ambassador to the United Kingdom for, let's just say, rather unpopular president uh, in and around the NFL, uh, that may be something that some players may need to take a deep breath and consider. Uh, I think what's more enticing for the Jets is two things. One, they're in a position that they're going to be able to overpay for some free agents and some key Mm -hmm. positions. And two, they have a head coach who's energetic, fired up, uh, to the point that Deshaun Watson said that he would want to play, supposedly, he told his inner circle, uh, for the new Jets head coach and Robert Sala. So uh, I think that's probably going to be more of a a playing a role for the Jets uh, in terms of their ability to to be able to recruit free agents and overpay. And the Jets were in a very similar position in 2007-2008 where they had to uh, overpay to get free agents after a couple good drafts under Mike Tannenbaum. It wasn't until the next year, 2009, when Rex Ryan came in and they finally had that lightning rod uh, in the head coaching role that helped them recruit free agents. So I think Robert Sala, perhaps more than the Johnson family right now, is going to be able to help bring in those impact Pro Bowl caliber players that the Jets need to be competitive. So in conclusion, real quickly, you have a little bit of confidence that they're going to be able to put together a package and really make a pitch towards Deshaun Watson of Houston. I, I think that they have the pieces to be able to do it. I don't think there's going to be the willingness to do it. I think there's a far better chance, and this is going to cause some Jets fans' stomachs to churn, but that Jimmy Garoppolo is the week one quarterback or somewhat of that ilk uh, than, let's say, um, you know, Deshaun Watson. I, I still think it's going to be Sam Darnold's job to lose at this point. So do I. Good to talk to you, my friend, again. The Jets have a lot going on. Appreciate your time. Take care. Christian Dyer covering the Jets. And Bobby and I have put in requests. We're going to be talking to NFL insiders that I've been dealing with for the last two decades to try to get them on heading into free agency in the draft. And I figured we'd start with the Jets. We did a lot of Trent Brown today. But the Jets have the number two pick. They have the Jamal Adams picks. They have a lot to move. The Jets can do a blockbuster deal. Or maybe Robert Sala wants to just rebuild it with the best players available. But Joe Douglas, the GM, I don't think he has a lot of time left. And the only way he's going to be able to do it is if he pulls off a blockbuster deal. Jimmy Garoppolo is a name we're hearing more and more of. Now that Dak Prescott's locked up in Dallas, 
what are the 49ers going to do with Jimmy G? Can the 49ers get Deshaun Watson? Seattle's not going to deal Russell Wilson in division to the 49ers. And will the 49ers go after Sam Darnold? I think it'd be a pretty good fit. But how much of an upgrade is it to have Sam Darnold over Jimmy Garoppolo? He's younger. He's the type of player you can build around. But big decisions because the 49ers are in kind of a similar position that the Raiders are in. The Raiders like Derek Carr a lot. Derek Carr isn't a top three quarterback. The 49ers like Jimmy Garoppolo, but Jimmy Garoppolo is probably, you know, in the same boat as Derek and I think behind Derek. I think Derek's better than Jimmy Garoppolo, but Jimmy Garoppolo just went to a Super Bowl. And it's tough to it's tough to knock that. We just want to see Derek get to the playoffs and win a playoff game, let alone Jimmy Garoppolo going to the Super Bowl and having the lead in the Super Bowl with under six minutes to go. If Jimmy Garoppolo completes a bomb with six minutes to go in the Super Bowl, the Niners win the Super Bowl, and we're never talking about Jimmy Garoppolo leaving again. He's a made man. But the fact that he overthrew a game-sealing touchdown in the Super Bowl, and Kyle Shanahan probably wants to go in another direction. Draining show. My wife said my Trent Brown, my, my wife says, your Trent Brown monologue was like you were starting your own insurgency or something. What was that? So she was like, all right, calm down a bit. I'll take her advice. She has better advice than I do. And I just heard from NBC Boston who heard my monologue, and they want me to come on TV in an hour. So I'll tweet out that link because they heard what I had to say on Trent Brown. I'll have to do that in Boston on TV here within the next hour. Thanks to all of our partners. We'll be debuting new partners this week. A lot of cool things happening. Thanks to Bobby who put the show together and everybody else who's listening. Thank you very much. We'll be back, and maybe there's bigger and bigger news the remainder of the week on Raider Nation Radio. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.